Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. going to be a live version so welcome nice to have you guys back especially if you've been <laughs> looking for us uh, we have been on the audio podcast you can always go there when we're not live on uh, the video so today as you can see we're going to be doing john 31 35 i'm sorry <laughs> psalm 31 35 and john 11 chapter 30 so we're going to jump into it this morning and ask god to bless our time and give us a lot of insight into these things. So, Father, thank you for blessing us and guiding us in your word as you always do. And, God, we um, we just want to open up our, our hearts and open up our minds now and ask you to, to teach us and to guide us in your word as we look into these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me get over to Psalm 31. And as, we're, as you know, we're looking through the Psalms of David. As we're moving through the Bible chronologically, that's why we're not reading the Psalms in order per se. But they're all pretty well in order. So let's look at this. A um, Psalm of David. This is a Psalm of complaint and of praise. For the choir director, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul. You have not given me over into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity. And my body has wasted away. Because of all my adversaries, I become a reproach, especially to my neighbors. And an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, and I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. 
How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place in your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in the shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. O love the Lord, all you, his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. I'm kind of imagining where he says, um, in verse 22, he says, I'm cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications. If that might have been some of those times when he was sinning against God with Bathsheba or in his rebellion of, of obeying God. And he feels cut off, and yet what does he do? He, he he cries out to the Lord, and he asks for forgiveness. My supplication, to make supplications to, to go before him and acknowledge your sin and ask him to, to then forgive you. And he reestablishes David over and over again. And again, David pouring out his heart out to God. We see as he's doing this, this psalm of complaint and praise while he's always pouring out his heart he always com- complains about the enemies sees how he's being being pulled this way and that way and always turns into praise because he realized that god is his shelter god is his protector but what's so interesting is as he's doing all this he's acknowledging who he is and how the enemy has put him in a net as it says in verse four they have secretly laid a net but he says you are my strength and into your hands I commit my spirit. Where have we heard that? Jesus says that on the cross. Jesus quotes David. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. So Jesus uses the words of David that were given to him by the Holy Spirit so that we could understand and identify that there is a heart, the heart of praise, the heart of that seeks after God. Jesus was modeling that heart and also modeling the heart of David to us as a type as a type of Christ. So amazing when you think about how intricate everything works in the Bible and how Jesus would have had full knowledge and known every one of the Psalms of David, obviously, uh, by memory and by heart, and he quotes from them. Psalm 35 now, prayer for rescue from enemies, a Psalm of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they laid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him unawares, and let the net which he hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord, and I shall exult in his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, Who is like you? Who delivers the afflicted from him? Who is too strong for him and the afflicted and the needy for him who robs him? 
Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. The smiters whom I did not know gathered together against me, and they slandered me without ceasing. Like godless jesters at a feast, they gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my soul from their ravages. My only life from the lions, I will give you thanks. In the great congregation, I will praise you among the mighty throng. Do not let those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me. Nor let those who hate me without cause wink maliciously. For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open their mouth wide against me and said, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. You have seen it, O Lord. Do not keep silent. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my right and to my cause. My God and my Lord, judge me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their heart, Aha! Our desire. Or let them say, We have swallowed him up. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together with re who rejoice at my distress. Let those be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves over me. Let them shout for joy and rejoice for favor, my vindication. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. <laughs> and now sometimes I certainly want to pray, Lord. Judge, O oh Lord, judge according to your righteousness. Judge those people around me. Uh, that was kind of David in his, shall we say, his, his office as king and protector over Israel and protector over God's righteousness. You can see how he would be that way because he had real enemies. Think about how many people were trying to kill him. And of course, here we see his own, his worst enemy was himself, how he, had, how he himself had, had fallen to his own sin. And so not only was he calling for God to battle against his enemies, but also to, to not condemn him to Sheol because he himself had fallen. And he says that he himself I'm trying to find it. I humbled my soul with fasting with my prayer. I kept returning to my bosom. I went about through it. Though it were a friend and a brother, I bowed down mourning as one sorrows for his mother. For David, either in his sin or in his time of running and hiding and feeling completely abandoned by everyone around him, was humbling his soul and, it was, and was fasting and crying out to God. So it was both both in the time of distress and time of sin as well. And he was laying everything at the feet of the Lord. But because of what was going on, he was crying out for God's justice to come upon the earth. We can do that. The only time that, I mean, we have that kind of prayer is to pray for God's justice to come upon the earth because then his kingdom will be established. But overall, because we're New Testament, we pray for his grace and his mercy to first overwhelm his, our enemies, the enemies of the church, so that they might come to a knowledge of salvation, which obviously 
is the better path. That's the path that Jesus modeled for us. Okay, now we're going to move over to John 11, verse 30. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe you would see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound from head to foot with wrapping And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Verse 47. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together unto one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into the city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. So they were seeking for Jesus and were saying to one another, as they stood in the temple, what do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he was to report it so that they might seize him. Isn't it interesting that the one thing that finally tipped the scale for the Pharisees, where they said, now we are committed to killing him, was the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus had healed people. He had touched people. He had 
he had, uh, you know, made the blind seem, uh, see, the lame walk. But here was a, a resurrection of a man. Maybe the resurrection of the children didn't make that much of an impact on the Pharisees. I don't know why not, but this was different. So many people had witnessed it. He had been dead four days. And I often wonder, we don't, we're not told, but why the sisters did not anoint the body. It doesn't seem with all the aloes and all the spices. That's why they said he was going to smell. If it, in the back of their minds, just maybe they thought Jesus would resurrect him. Not believing, but believing. Kind of like the disciples were when Jesus was resurrected. Believing, but not believing at the same time. But anyway, it's fascinating that now they decided that this was the one thing that they were going to do. And this is all right before Jesus goes to the cross. It's really phenomenal how many times and how clearly he showed the world, I am going to the cross, I'm going to die, I'm going to resurrect. You keep rejecting that idea. You don't seem to believe it, but let me show you how what it looks like. Here's a taste of what resurrection looks like. I'm going to take this, my brother Lazarus, and I'm going to raise him up. Not a complete resurrection, but a reanimation. A, it was a taste of the ultimate resurrection that Lazarus was going to go through. And I imagine Lazarus was quite happy, quite happy saying, hey, I got to see what it's going to be like on the other side. Imagine the kind of witness that he was when he came out of that grave and had dinner with his sisters and everyone else and the stories and the things he shared. Don't you know, from that day on, he was the most committed not only friend of Jesus, but disciple and, and, and committed believer. And this is what the Jews hated. They didn't want the Pharisees. They didn't want their position taken away or their power. They would lose their religious authority over the people. This is still true today with large institutionalized religious establishments. They do not like people that are fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and follow him. Sad commentary on the church but it's still true today. So John, phenomenal chapter, Lazarus. Uh, I always like to, to remember that, you know, Mary had the heart. She was, we kind of we kind of give Martha a hard time because she was the one, as we find out, that was always busy about doing things. And Mary was the one that wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was the one that went to Jesus and said, you know what, Jesus, I know you're the Lord. She had that knowledge. You are the Christ, the Son of living God. And I know there's going to be resurrection. I know that you're going to be the one that comes again. And so the got to give it to, to Martha for her heart. She's the one that goes to Jesus. Mary waits for him. It's just the two different personalities of a Christian. Two sweet sisters that have very different personalities, but a very strong love for Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they model some important things for us. So now let's look over, if we can to Charles Spurgeon. May 30th, holy foresight. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Matthew 26, 64. Ah, Lord, thou wast in thy lowest state when before thy persecutors Thou wast made to stand like a criminal, yet the eyes of thy faith could see beyond thy present humiliation into the future glory. What words are these? Nevertheless, hereafter, I would imitate thy holy foresight, and in thy midst of poverty or sickness or slander, I also would say, nevertheless, hereafter, instead of weakness, 
thou hast all power. Instead of shame, all glory. Instead of derision, all worship. Thy cross has not dimmed the splendor of thy crown, neither has the spittle marred the beauty of thy face. Say rather, thou art the more exalted and honored because of thy suffering. So, Lord, I also would take courage from the hereafter. I would forget the present tribulation in the future triumph. Help thou me by directing me into thy Father's love and into thy own patience, so that when I am derided for thy name, I may not be staggered, but think more and more of the hereafter. And therefore, all the less of today, I shall be with thee soon, and behold thy glory. Wherefore, I am not ashamed, but say in my innermost soul, nevertheless, hereafter. <laughs> the point with all that beautiful King James language is that nevertheless, no matter what happens, we are going to be with him in the hereafter. We are going to be there established with our king, the one who rose to prove to us that he is the firstborn of the resurrection and we are his sons and daughter who are the second resurrection per se. Uh, we're the ones that, that follow after him in the resurrection. What a beautiful thought. So Father, we thank you for this morning, for guiding our minds and our hearts to the cross as always. We see David quoting God from the cross, which you said, Lord, it is finished. You paid the price. We are set free from the bondage of sin. So we give you all glory and praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that'll do it for today, guys. Thank you. Got family showing up. Got my grandson here. Going to go do a bunch of fun things. So we will catch you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.